Hey, yo, Cali Green Monster Show. Sports. Stuff. Welcome into another episode of the Cali Green Monster Show. I am your host, Dean Ryan, coming to you here from the living room of my apartment. It is Wednesday morning, May 19th, 2021. It is the first Cali Green Monster Show in about a week. Hopefully you guys didn't miss me too much. I didn't anticipate to be gone so long. Or to return with a little modification to the intro. So hopefully you, you liked hearing these beautiful vocals going, Sports! Stuff! Yeah! You know, I think people should start paying me to do voice work. And as I've mentioned multiple times on this podcast, it's a very basement operation. I mean, I'm literally posted up in my undies just on my coffee table, and I think that this is a pretty professional podcasting studio. You know, former listeners to this show, you might be wondering, hey, where? why aren't you recording out of the Tesla studios today? And I mean, it is kind of a long story, and I guess, you know, I might as well quickly explain it, because it is one of the reasons why I haven't had a show in a week. So when I was done on Wednesday, I'd, I already had anticipated not doing a show on Thursday. On Thursday morning, I was going to have a doctor's appointment. So I was like, you know what? Cali Green Monster shall rest on Thursday and I'll come hard hitting with an episode on Friday. I was hoping to preview the this past weekend's <clears throat> UFC 262. You know, I like going over the UFCs before and I like going over them after. You know, on Friday, I went into work, you know, went in early because I had a big weekend coming up. Never really got around to recording a podcast. You know, Saturday was my mom's funeral. You know, we were finally going to be able to have a funeral after, you know, over a year. You know, due to COVID, we weren't able to have a service. So I was going to do that. So Friday, rather than record a show, I had to basically write my speech of what I was going to say at my mom's service. And my original intention was, okay, I'll record a show after that. But as you might have guessed, once you're done writing the speech to your mom's service, the last thing I think you really want to do is to focus on sports and to come in and bullshit on the microphone. And I know, I know, I know you must be like, dude, but isn't one of your favorite things to be able to speak to your loyal audience? And it really is. But I felt like I needed to take a little mental health day. You know, I had intentions of, you know, even though the service was on Saturday and the reception was on Saturday, I had anticipated that I would still watch the UFC and then maybe do a post-UFC show right after that. And, you know, that just never happened. You know, here we go Monday, start of a new week. You would think that another Cali Green Monster show, okay, now Cali Green Monster show is going to come. Nope. I had doctor's I dentist appointment in the morning, you know, where I had to get two fillings done, deep cleaning on one side. I had a, the other side done yesterday morning. So, you know, my mouth is numb and, you know, you really can't have this beautiful, sultry voice really penetrating your ear holes with amazing speech and sports talk when I can't even feel my tongue. So that didn't happen. 
So that brings us here to Wednesday morning, May 19th. So with all those missed days of no Cali Green Monster Show, we really got a backload of stuff to talk about today. You know, I do want to highlight a couple of the things that happened at UFC 262. It ended up being a pretty good card. You know, great main event with a lot of action, even though it didn't go all five rounds. little preview to how we're going to talk about the fights. There was also Albert Pujols. You know, we had mentioned that he was done with the Angels, and I fully anticipated that that was going to be the end of his career. I was wrong on that one, so I definitely want to talk about where he ended up. You know, if we're going to be talking about the Los Angeles Angels with Albert Pujols, we might as well actually talk about the really good players on the Los Angeles Angels. You know, I'm talking about Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. So I want to talk about both those guys because they're both in the sporting news today. And then as well as last night was the first day of the NBA play-in games. You know, that's for, you know, it was the Eastern Conference play-in games. So I'm going to talk about that and give a quick preview to tonight's big play-in games. The marquee matchup of the playing games. It's going to happen tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. I am talking about the Los Angeles Lakers versus the Golden State Warriors. So we'll talk about all that shit on this show. So, oh yeah, I was going to say, I think at the beginning when I was talking about why I didn't have shows, I never, <laughs> never addressed why I'm actually having this show in the apartment. And it's basically because my wife and son, they're spending a week up at my my in-laws house you know my, my 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 wife's parents haven't been able to really spend time with her or my son since christmas since you know we've been playing it very cautious with covid and since she's been pregnant so you know just taking the opportunity since i was at a reception where i was seeing a lot of people without masks so basically i'm kind of like in almost a quarantine right now like in my little apartment by myself you know my son gets to spend a lot of time with <laughs> with his grandparents i know that they're super stoked you know my my little niece was born last week so they've got you know a, you know a lot of grandkids to hang out with right now so i know that they're extremely happy so i'm happy for them and then that allows me to just record the show while i'm in my undies you know i'm just, yeah i'm sitting here in my undies just getting going i don't know how far into this podcast i've recorded and i've literally not talked about any sports i've just been basically treating this thing like a I guess like a recording diary or whatever. Well, hey, let's let's quit bullshitting, you know, and let's get right into it. Well, I guess it's not right into it when we didn't get right into it, but let's finally start talking about some sports. UFC 262, we now have an official champion at 155. Ever since Khabib Nurmagomedov finally retired, we didn't have anyone holding the belt at 155 so now we do charles Oliveira and michael chandler were fighting for the vacant strap on saturday night and charles Oliveira, after a wild first round he was able to finish chandler i think 19 seconds into the second round you know it was a pretty exciting fight for how you know for being done at the beginning of the second round you know chandler <clears throat> wound up 
with Oliveira on his back in the first round. And, you know, that's definitely not something you want to have when you have a jiu-jitsu ace like Oliveira. But Chandler was able to get up. And not only just get up, he was able to floor Oliveira with, I think it was a right. I don't, I don't know if it was with his right or with his left, but he floored Oliveira. And he really just brought it, and he was beating the shit out of him. And it was definitely one of those where I think if the ref would have stopped it, you would have had you know some people probably arguing an early stoppage, you know. And I but there would probably be some people you know saying that it was a justified stoppage, but a lot you know it was a title fight. The referee let it continue, and the round ended. And Oliveira was man, he was able to compose himself and come back and and win. It was it was pretty surprising when I went back and and watched the fight, you know. I mean. Since I watched, I wasn't able to watch it live, and I knew who won it. But it was definitely one of those while I was watching and watching it happen. It was like, dude, I don't know how Oliveira survived that. You know, I think so. I think that that's why when some people call for hey early stop, oh that was an early stoppage. You didn't let a guy defend himself. They'll probably point to you know this fight now as one of those where hey you got to let let these dudes have a chance to. I don't know, defend themselves or recover a bit, especially in a title fight. And, you know, so Oliveira, he's definitely someone that I feel like I've kind of slept on, on his climb. You know, he's on a nine-fight win streak after Saturday. And, you know, just because he debuted in the UFC in 2010. And if you look before this nine-fight win streak, he only had an 8-8-1 eight, eight and one record. So that was technically less than 50% of his fights were wins. So he was definitely not someone that, you know, he was someone that was good. And if you look at a lot of his losses, it was against a lot of the top people. You know, he lost to Donald Cerrone when Cerrone was still a contender. He lost to Cub Swanson, Frankie Edgar, Max Holloway, Anthony Pettis, Ricardo Lamas, Paul Felder. So these are all tough dudes. So it's just kind of, you know, especially if you're a younger dude coming up and you're getting matched up against killers like that, it's just going to happen. And I mean, he's definitely had, matured and you know blossom into the champion that he is now you know he's got great Muay Thai he's got slick jiu-jitsu he goes for finishes and he gets them so he's definitely a good champion and you know I mean well I mean we'll see how good of a champion is because I guess you don't really know how good of a champion you are until you defend the belt and there's definitely a long list of really good people at 155. It sounds like he's going to be getting the winner of Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. Those two guys are going to be fighting in July. It's Vegas's big return to crowds. So they'll be fighting at the T-Mobile Center, I think it is. <clears throat> That's over there where the Vegas Golden Knights play. So, you know, I mean, I guess it makes sense. You know, Poirier with the win, you know, his last his last loss was to, to Habib Nurmagomedov, and he's got wins over Dan Hooker and Conor McGregor. And if he were to beat McGregor again, that would be three in a row and against, you know, three tough dudes. And he figured that when he lost to Habib Nurmagomedov, he was the interim champion at the time. So Dustin Poirier definitely makes sense. I think people could have an argument that even if Conor McGregor gets a win against Poirier, that's not really you know, enough of a resume to make him, you know, I guess worthy of a champion or for a title fight. But at the end of the day, Conor McGregor is dollars. He's still the biggest pay-per-view draw in the UFC. And with a win, I think that's enough to get him a title shot. So I fully expect that if McGregor wins or if Poirier wins, they're going to get the next crack at, 
at Oliveira or whatever. So, I mean, when with Chandler, he looked really good. The fight was close. And, you know, it depended on how much time he's going to need to recover because, I mean, he did get finished. But we'll see, you know, how long, I guess, the suspension is and how long he really needs to recover because I'd like to see him get in there with either Gaethje or Dariush. And speaking of Gaethje or Dariush, those are two people I'd like to see lined up with each other because in the co-main event, Benil Dariush, you know, he completely, you know, he outclassed Tony Ferguson. You know, and Tony Ferguson, it looks like his, you know, he just definitely is not the same Tony Ferguson as, you know, a, a lot of us remember, you know, when he was just beating everyone and anyone that got in the cage with Tony Ferguson was in the, was going to be expecting a bad time. And, you know, so he might be, he, he might be out of gas now. So we'll see. I mean, Benil Dariush in the second round had a nasty heel hook that even after the fight, Dariush was saying that, that he could hear Ferguson's knee popping. And so he, I don't know how, you know, he called Ferguson a zombie because Ferguson was just reacting as if nothing happened. And you could even see, see the knee totally uh, twist in the wrong direction and yeah no i don't know how i mean that so that's one thing is even if ferguson is kind of on the way down he could you, you can't question his toughness you know he definitely hasn't been the same guy since he lost to justin gaethje and i remember after that fight that was definitely one of those fights where you looked and you're like oh that's a definitely a career defining beatdown you know that's one of those kind of fights that someone's career is definitely not going to be the same after and you could definitely say that about tony ferguson you know he definitely hasn't been the same after that gaethje fight and i think especially after you know that nasty heel hook he's going to need some time to recover he's currently 37 years old and he's been in tons of wars so i'll be kind of curious to see what really happens with tony ferguson and the rest of his career but i definitely think he needs some time on the sideline just let his body heal up and you know we'll see what happens there you know, and some other things that happened on UFC 262, Edson Barbosa, his KO of Shane Burgos was pretty gnarly. You know, they had a pretty good fight, and Edson Barbosa is definitely someone who brings it. He's He's got excellent Muay Thai. It's aggressive Muay Thai. He's definitely one of those guys where when you watch him fight, you're like, holy crap, I would never want to be across the ring from him because he's just, you know, he's just chiseled and just the way he throws leg kicks. And, you know, he's just, you know, he's a stud on the feet. And... He went the the knockout of of Burgos. It was pretty gnarly because like he hit him with a combo, and then it's like it looks like Burgos ate it. And then after a couple seconds, Burgos just stumbles backwards and falls into the cage. And you know Barbos is able to finish the fight. It was pretty gnarly. Like I don't think I've ever really seen that like a delayed KO. So you know it's in Barbosa. He's He's always dangerous. He was down at 145 this time. Looked pretty good, especially because this KO happened in the third round. So you'd think a guy going down in a weight class, he might be losing stamina as longer the fight goes. But that wasn't the case with Barboza. Looked good, got the finish. So, you know, he's definitely probably a contender there at 145. And then Andre Muniz, he broke Jacare Souza's arm. 
You know, Jacare Souza is one of those people that's known for having slick jiu-jitsu, has some of the best jiu-jitsu in the game, but he's also on the older side of his career. And, you know, it was it was pretty nasty. You can hear the snap if you go and try to look at the replay. You'll hear it snap before the ref finally pulls him off. And you, know, you can while Muniz is celebrating, and you can hear Rogan be like, my God, he snapped his arm, like, or something like that. But he was, you know... Yeah, dude, those arm bars, man, they're nasty. I, I don't, I don't. A lot of these Brazilian and these jujitsu guys that are, I mean, shit. I mean, you look at Jacare Souza and Tony Ferguson, both on the same card, that just refuse to tap. And I mean, now their limbs are probably going to be out of commission for the better part of a year at least. So Jacare Souza. I mean, but then again, I mean, the arm bar didn't look like it was locked in for very long before he finally snapped it. So, I mean, these dudes are so jacked and strong. And I guess if you got it a, a tight arm bar, it's like if you don't tap right away, that shit's going to happen. Reminds me of like Tim Sylvia, you know, or you think back like when when Frank Mir snapped Nogueira's like shoulder with the Kimura. That was pretty gnarly too. So, yeah, and then we go back to the last pay-per-view we had. We had Chris Weidman's leg break in. So, shit, maybe COVID's just snapping all these dudes' limbs around, man. So, I don't know. Or maybe these dudes just aren't drinking milk because I don't think that limbs are just supposed to keep snapping like toothpicks. But Or maybe this is just the fight gods treating us with some good carnage being like hey you're spending like 70 dollars for these pay-per-views here you're getting some broken bones along with the blood and sweat shit i mean they, they call ufc a spectator sport and that's one of the reasons why all right let's move over to the diamond sock talk about uh you know what do they call it america's pastime america's favorite pastime even though it totally isn't anymore because you ask anybody about it they say it's boring but we still cover it because, you know, I still enjoy baseball. Albert Pujols, last time we talked about him, you know, I feel like Albert Pujols has gotten a lot of airtime on a Cali Green Monster show. This is officially the third time we have talked about Albert Pujols in our 89 show run. So good for you, Albert. You're on the end of your career, but you're still staying relevant. You know, last time we talked about him, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, I think they're now just the Los Angeles Angels, they had released Albert Pujols. A lot of the rumors and the story and the drama that was going down about that is, you know, Pujols, who was batting below 200, they were asking him to basically be on the bench and not start in that game against Tampa Bay. Apparently, Albert Pujols was so upset because he doesn't consider himself a bench player and considers himself a starter. And drama ensued. End of the day, Angels designated him for assignment. So, you know, Albert Pujols wasn't a Los Angeles Angel anymore. And at the time, I was saying that Albert Pujols had probably played his last game in the MLB. You know, I definitely wasn't the only person that was saying that. I think there was a lot of people speculating that, you know, even though there was rumors of maybe he'd go back to St. Louis, so have a end of career with the Cardinals, or maybe he was going to reunite with his old manager, Tony La Russa, up in the Chicago with the White Sox, or something like that. Or maybe like the Kansas City Royals that had like a young roster that could use a veteran presence. But at the end of the day, I just saw Albert Pujols as a 41-year-old guy that did that wasn't productive anymore, and I didn't really see anyone picking up, you know, putting him on the roster. But I was completely wrong. There was rumors about it. 
I think in the day or two leading up to it and I just didn't believe it. It looked like one of those things like, you know, one of those posts you would see on April 1st, you know, and be like, okay, that's obviously an April fool's, but apparently it wasn't, you know, Albert Pujols just moving across from orange County over to Los Angeles County, going to Chavez ravine, wearing the Dodger blue Albert Pujols is now a Dodger the, 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 the defending World Series champions, Dodgers. So, you know, I think Albert Pujols got himself a good deal there. You know, he's still getting paid his $30 million contract by the Los Angeles Angels. And now the Dodgers are paying him the league minimum. You know, I think it's prorated to only like a little over $400,000. So the Dodgers aren't really paying much to have Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols gets to stay in town. So I'm sure he just, you know, gets... You know, just does the shit. I was gonna say, does the Kobe Bryant and does the flies the helicopter? But I had no, I was not even connecting it with the the Kobe Bryant crash. I just always knew that that Kobe Bryant would fly from Orange County to practices and games in L.A. So I was just, you know, that's that's all I was saying. So I'm sure Pujols is doing something like that. You know, he's got a family, he's got kids. I'm sure they didn't want to relocate across the country. So I'm sure when his agent hit him up and said, hey, yo, the Dodgers actually have a, a spot for you. I'm sure he jumped all over that. You know, I think, you know, as I had mentioned, the original story was that Albert Pujols wasn't happy being asked to be a bench player. But according to him, he came out after the fact and said that that never was the case and that he, for a couple of years, he's anticipated being a bench player and that he'll do whatever the, the Dodgers ask of him. So, you know, that's definitely kind of interesting to kind of see and hear, you know, Artie Moreno, owner of the Angels, you know, Joe Madden, manager of the Angels, that's kind of, that kind of makes them look kind of bad since, you know, it's kind of contradicting stories kind of coming out. So, you know, maybe that's just Albert Pujols trying to save face and making himself not look like a diva on the way out. But either way, you know, he's playing for the Dodgers. As of Wednesday, this is Wednesday morning. He's already played two games for the Dodgers. You know, the Dodgers are definitely underperforming this year. I think a lot of people were anticipating that they were going to easily run through the NL West with maybe the Padres kind of, you know, threatening. And while they look good for the first couple of weeks, they've definitely been lagging. I think at the moment they're in third in the NL and the NL in the NL West, but I would have to look. You know, they've been. They've been behind the Giants and the Padres for a big chunk of the season. They've been dealing with injuries. You know, Cody Bellinger, one of their better guys, he's on the IL with A.J. Pollock and Corey Seager. And, you know, the Dodgers, their bench hasn't been very good or productive at all. You know, as I mentioned, Albert Pujols, he was batting 198 with the Los Angeles Angels with five home runs and 12 RBIs. Well, the Dodgers bench is only batting 178 with 41 strikeouts and four walks. So, I mean, technically, Albert Pujols has been more productive than the Dodgers bench. So, I guess I could see why it was attractive to bring Albert Pujols in. Like, I guess, like, why not? You know, I guess he's good enough when you look at that. And in his two games, he's had seven at-bats, one hit for an RBI, or he has two RBIs, so batting 143. You know, I think that's what you can expect from Albert Pujols. You know, you can't really come in and expect him to be batting in the mid to high 200s or being anything close to 
MVP Albert Pujols, but you know, I guess when your bench is batting below a buck eighty, you know, you might as well just bring this dude in. So we'll see how that works out for him. But Pujols' old buddies over at the Angels, they've got two of the most exciting players in the MLB. You know, as someone who lives in Southern California, even though I'm down here in San Diego, I feel like it's a real shame that I haven't really made as many trips to go up and see Mike Trout play in person. And especially his teammate, Shohei Itani, who's definitely the, I feel like, the talk of baseball, and he's the most exciting player around right now. When you'd hear about stories about Babe Ruth, how he was the best home run pitcher and he or uh, he was the best home run hitter in addition to being one of the best pitchers at the time, it's like you think he was almost a mythical figure because nowadays when players are professional, it's almost like once the time real prospects leave high school, they've got to make a decision whether you're going to be a pitcher or you're going to be a position player. And that's just how baseball's been in this country. And then you hear stories about this guy, Shohei Otani. You know, he's a guy that can hit home runs and pitch 100 miles an hour, and it sounded too good to be true. And even when he joined the Angels and he, he showed some promise and had some good, you know, flashes here and there, he was also kind of injured. I remember he was dealing with blisters, I think, at the beginning. And then he had to get Tommy John surgery. So, you know, I feel like the Shohei Otani case was kind of up in the air. But 2021, Shohei Otani has really burst onto the scene and really lived up to the hype that he came into this league and, you know, the mythical status that he really built for himself over in Japan. You know, last night he hit his league-leading 14th home run. So he's leading the league in home runs with 14 home runs. And that's to go along with a 2.1 ERA. That's on par with Max Scherzer, one of the best pitchers in the league. And that's, he has 40 strikeouts, and this is all 25 and two-thirds innings. So Shohei Otani, he is definitely in the Babe Ruth of baseball. You know, we're, I'm definitely so happy to be around to watch this guy play and to watch him be paired along with Mike Trout. You know, Mike Trout is, you know, you know, honestly, between Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, those are the two best baseball players I've ever seen. You know, Mike Trout, it's, you know, his play really stands out for himself if you look at his numbers he could arguably have been the MVP in every single season that he's played you know he's definitely you know when you hear of like Mickey Mantle Joe DiMaggio Ted Williams all these players you know I feel like Mike Trout is someone like that that you actually get to watch you know he was having an MVP season this year and until he strained his calf on Monday night. So it sounds like he's out for six to eight weeks, which is really shitty news for the Angels. They've been underperforming. They were a lot of people's hot pick to, you know, at least win the AL West or to get a wild card spot and finally get Mike Trout and Shohei Otani into the playoffs. But, you know, without pitching, that's not going to happen. So I just, I think it's going to be another disappointing season for the Angels, no matter how exciting Shohei Otani is. And, you know, like in the statement I just made a couple seconds before, saying that Mike Trout and Shohei Otani are the two best players I've ever seen. You know, Mike Trout, I think it's self-explanatory. But, you know, Shohei Otani, I mean, already, I think, you know, I've never seen anyone do what he's doing. You know, we've seen, I've seen steroided, Barry Bonds hit home runs and have an on-base percentage of over 500. I've seen A-Rod has some crazy, awesome seasons. You know, I've seen some Ken Griffey Jr., you know, so many good players. 
but I've never seen them also go on the mound, pump 100-mile-an-hour fastballs, and have a sub-3 ERA. So, you know, Shohei Atani, it makes you wonder if that's going to change how baseball and how we raise our baseball prospects is that going are we going to start having you know start developing dudes to not only be good in the field but also be able to pitch on the mound you know because you figure you know in high school and then you know the ages below high school the best players on the team play shortstop they play third base and they also pitch they have big arms even have catchers who have some big arms to be able to throw runners out from cat from home to second so you know i definitely think you know in the united states where you know i feel like our country does produce some of the best baseball players in the world you definitely probably going to have some athletes that could be able to do both and if if you open up the avenue to be a pitcher and a player i'm curious to see if you you know, we'll be able to, to, I guess, attract more of the athletes back to baseball as opposed to like basketball and football. I think that's been the problem over the past, you know, couple decades is that, you know, basketball and football have definitely got grown in popularity. And I guess a lot of athletes, you know, have migrated to some of these other sports. So maybe if there's the avenue that you can be a pitcher and a, and a, and a field player, we'll see. I would definitely think that'd be pretty cool to, you know, a nice evolution of the professional game, you know, maybe get some, a couple more Shohei Itani's, but, you know, but then again, maybe Shohei Itani's proven that, you know, he's kind of like a Russell Westbrook that like, if, if other people could do this, more people would do it. You know, some people are like, Oh, well, you know, Russell Westbrook is like, well, if we were trying to get triple doubles every game, then we would. It's like, well, no one, no one's doing that, you know? And I guess it's like, you know, there might be some people like, hey, if, if if they let me be a pitcher, I would. And it's like, well, but you're not. So, you know, we'll see. Maybe Shohei Itani is a, just a, a, a unicorn, just a, you know, one in a million. Or maybe we're going to see some more people doing it. Only time will tell. And, you know, also, I guess before we move away from baseball, man, this is going to be a long show, but I guess that's what happens when you don't have a show in a week, is Tiger Spencer Turnbull, he threw the fifth no-hitter of the MLB this year, and we're only in May, that's pretty insane, you know, five no-hitters, you know, in recent years, the MLB batting average has gone down, you know, as players are starting to swing for more home runs. So home runs have gone up, but batting averages have gone down. And with that, no hitters is on the rise. And I think in the offseason, they were mentioning that the MLB was going to try to deaden the balls because I guess, you know, over the past couple of years, home run numbers have been through the roof. And there's been rumors that the balls have been basically juiced and are a little bit bouncy, thus making the balls go farther. So, you know, I guess if you deaden the balls, you, you know, make the offense apparently go down and lessen that. So, and then, you know, is it a coincidence now that we have five no hitters? You know, I think it could be that. You know, I think it's also a combination that these pitchers are now just throwing harder than ever. Their stuff is nastier than ever. And then if you combine that with guys that aren't trying to hit for average and contact and instead trying to go for the fence every time, you know, that's just a recipe for, you know, all a pitcher needs to do is get 27 outs. And if he's if he's feeling it and the pitchers or or in the hitters just don't have a good eye for the ball that night, you know, so at least for the time being, unless they decide to lower the pitching mound or to move it back a little bit, 
I think it's just it's going to be a pitcher's game. But I mean, I think in the dead ball era back in the 60s, they did something like that where they lowered the pitcher's mound and <clears throat> it resulted in increased offense. So I think if we're, you know, if we start to see like record breaking no hit numbers. They're definitely going to try to do something like that. And then, you know, it's kind of a weird like cat and mouse game. You know, it's like, okay, so then we lower the mound or move it back and then the hitters numbers go up. So then do you raise the mound again after that? I don't know. I think at the end of the day, whatever produces more offense should be what they need to do. Because let's be real, as much as it's fun to watch no hitters, you know, there's nothing more boring than a 1-0 baseball game I guess you, unless you, you know, it's, those games end up being quick. I remember being at AT&T Park watching the Giants play, and I think the game was like two hours and ten minutes because it was a 1-0, just like boom, 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 out, 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 out. But that's not fun. You know, you can't even get a proper buzz on in like two hours and ten minutes. So, yeah, five no-hitters this year. And, you know, before we get out of here, just quickly highlight, last night was the Eastern Conference, their first play-in games. Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics dropped 50 points in a 118-100 to win over Washington. You know, so I think the big story was that. There was a lot of pressure of Jason Tatum to perform. And then for Washington Wizards, for Russell Westbrook to perform. Because Russell Westbrook, even though he's been getting all these triple-doubles, the narrative around him is that he's a numbers guy, but not a team's guy and that his teams aren't as successful as you would think they would be with a point guard who's as productive as he is. So Wizards weren't able to get it done. So while the Celtics move on, and they're going to get the seven seed and play the Brooklyn Nets. The Wizards on Thursday have to play the Pacers. The Pacers were smashed all over the Charlotte Hornets last night, knocking LaMelo Ball and the Hornets into the offseason. So West, Russell Westbrook has one more game to hopefully try to, you know, spin, you know, Make sure the narrative doesn't, you know, stay on him being a loser because that's what it is right now. So, and then tonight, we've got the Western Conference playing games. you got San Antonio and Memphis. And the marquee matchup, the one that we're all waiting for, the one that, you know, I think everyone's been talking about as a possibility last week. And it came to fruition, and now we're just waiting for it to happen. Tonight, 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific. We got LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the Lakers playing Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. This should be, should be sick. LeBron James, you were wrong when you were saying that the playing game was stupid. You were just pissed off because you knew the Lakers were going to wind up playing in it. And as a fan, I am pumped. You know, I do not really follow NBA during the regular season. But almost like a bear in hibernation, you know, you wake up in May and you're like, oh shit, it's NBA playoffs time. Now I guess it's time to talk about basketball. So yeah, for the next two months, you're probably going to hear me talk about basketball. But until then, this has been a Cali Green Monster show. I've been your host, Dean Ryan. As always, I appreciate everyone that takes the time to download and listen to this show. You know, if you enjoyed what you listened to, be a friend. Tell a friend, and if not, you can just pretend you never listened to it. But yeah, until next time, have a good one, guys. Peace.